And for the record, I'm not suggesting that you just do this on a whim, but I am saying that for several decades, so many of us have chosen our cities based on job markets and opportunity. And this shift towards remote work should prompt all of us to ask, why do I live here? Yeah. (laughs) We should ask that more often than not. And if you like your reasons, then stay. But if you're not really sure, it's the kind of decision that can literally save you hundreds of thousands of dollars over a lifetime and shave years off your retirement plan. Welcome to the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Julian. Today, we're talking about what to think about if you're considering relocation. Ooh. Yeah. This, so this episode is actually inspired by two fairly recent events. Uh, the first was recent coverage on CBS 60 Minutes, um, and they were talking about the big quit or what some people would call the great resignation. I'm sure there'll be another name for whatever this moment is. <laughs> I kind of like the big quit. I like the big quit, too. Yeah. It's it's a little it's more better youthful. than the great resignation. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little less serious, a little bit more edgy. Yeah. Um, but basically, it was a really good coverage. Like I, th- I think some of the best coverage I've seen on this moment that we're in in a long time. And they interviewed several people. Notably, one of the people they interviewed was the chief economist of LinkedIn, who obviously has a very unique perspective on jobs and the job market. Uh, they obviously have a ton of data. Uh, and one of the really like eye-opening statistics that she was willing to share in that interview was that prior to to the pandemic, one in every 67 jobs were considered remote, which I think feels right. Even right. as I was thinking back to like my own traditional career, I was like, yeah, I mean, those are pretty hard to find. Well, that number has now shrunk dramatically, and today it's around one in seven. That is wild. That is wild. I am like so proud of y'all, everybody that's <laughs> out there. Is, Thank you for holding out. Thank you for pushing. And, and honestly, I'm proud of employers too, like for realizing, hey, we've got to listen to people. We've got to make this happen. There's obviously still a lot of progress to be made, but that is a pretty impressive stat. So that was in part what is motivating this particular conversation. But the other part was a conversation that we had with a mutual friend who shall remain nameless. Uh, But they reached out, they sent us a note, um, and basically uh, I'll tell a little bit about their story it's a team. I think they have two children, right? It's a married couple. They live in Texas. They're in education. He sent me a note because he had this great opportunity to work in California. And it was a huge bump in pay. Uh, they would save on health care and a number of other things. But obviously, there was more to the calculation. He was like, but we're going to have to pay for this and housing and you know, my commute will change and all of these other yeah. things. And, and so across the country. It was across the country. Obviously, there are other sort of interpersonal factors that be factored into this situation. And so he reached out and was like, what do you think? And, you know, I was kind of honest with him. I was like, I wouldn't do it. I mean, it sounds great. But anyway, these were the sort of the two things that were really bringing this together. And so when you think about that story, plus this broader effect of there being more remote jobs, I think it's safe to say that there are a lot of people who are likely in a point of career transition and they're thinking about what to consider, what to factor in. And so we figured we'd dive into that topic. Yeah. And I love this topic because I've been relocating since I was a little girl. Growing up, we moved three different times for my dad's job. And I got to experience, you know, in that in that process, all different types of temporary housing, from corporate housing to long-term hotels yeah. to apartments. And then when I graduated from high school, I decided to go up 
to, to college out of state, which, you know, it's kind of like a relocation. I relocated to Chapel Hill. Yeah. And then when I got my first job, the company actually paid for me to relocate properly to Charlotte. And then I got a job in Atlanta and relocated again. And since I've been back in Atlanta, I have moved at least six times <laughs> to different apartments in wow. different counties. So I just have a lot of moving experience. But I do want to call out that to me, relocating is different from just moving. Okay. Like relocating has this intention to it. And what's funny is like the word relocating used to almost exclusively be used by employers who were offering relocation assistance to a candidate. And honestly, just to remain competitive in the search for talent, employers had to come up with this benefit, this perk of relocation so that people would feel compelled to say yes to the offer. But now, to your point that so many companies are going remote, relocation is a term that we should all be familiar with and should enter in all of our vocabulary, whether you work for corporate or not, because it's a viable option for all of us. It really doesn't matter where you are if the job is remote. Yeah. And I don't want to get too far into the conversation, but even as you're talking, it made me think that if anything, a relocation fee should be higher today, right? Yeah. Than it were before, because- more jobs are actually remote now. And so if you're actually asking me or requiring me to relocate my family, you should actually be willing to pay not just for uh, the cost of me moving, but there should likely be some type of premium involved in that as well. So that's why we're talking about this. It's also making me think about my own experience uh, back in corporate. Um, I remember I've certainly have not moved nearly as many times as you have. When I was younger, we moved from the New York City area to Atlanta, but that's pretty much it. Now, when we were in the Atlanta area, we bounced around quite a bit, just trying to find places that were affordable until we were able to get settled. Um, but I didn't have nearly as much experience and certainly not moving in corporate. But when I did move into those types of roles, I remember considering them. Mm-hmm. Like there were some opportunities. I think they were called secondments oh, yeah. in Europe. And mm-hmm. I thought that that was just going to be so cool and obviously a huge bump in my career. And, and those are essentially like global opportunities. Um, but I didn't actually take advantage of those. I'm glad I didn't because I'm pretty happy with the way uh, that my life turned out. But it's an important topic because I think, you know, every industry I think is being forced or sort of evolving to deal with relocation and obviously prospective uh, employees are being forced to deal with this as well. Uh, It is becoming the new norm. And I think, uh, as I said earlier, since so many people are likely considering a career change, in fact, we just got an email this morning from someone who said, hey, y'all should do an email about this because we're in education and we may end up doing that. But all of that to say, we wanted to make sure that we dove into this topic and we looked at the whole picture, not just, let's say, salary and benefits so that we can help people make a smarter decision for you you and your family. All right. So let's jump right in with the list of things to think about. Let's do it. So the first one is the most obvious and it's the big B word. Yeah. Budget. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That B word, budget. (laughs) Because relocating is not cheap. Like there are absolutely ways to manage the cost, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But I cannot stress up front how much time and energy you'll save just by having the right expectations for how much picking up your family and moving to another state or another country is going to cost you. Yeah. 
It's like so, making me think, sorry, it's like making me think about like a home renovation. Yes. Like I don't really care what your budget is, yeah. but you need to make sure that Add you build 20, in like 20 to 25% <laughs> at a minimum of budget and time for all of this to be done and for you to actually get settled. Yeah. So for this first part, we're just going to leave out any cost of living changes. We'll get there. But for this part, first part, this is really just meant to break down the cost of moving. Yeah. And that includes things like if there's any penalties for terminating a lease, saving for a down payment on a new home, fixing or upgrading your old home so that it actually sells and you're not Mm -hmm. carrying a mortgage while you move, saving for the cost of visiting your new city to kind of see what it's like and what area of town you want to be in, paying the initial setup fees for utilities because, you know, they always like to add that extra little $25 here and there if it's the first time for stuff like cable, Buying any new furnishings that you need, like a washer dryer. So let's say you're moving from an apartment where that came with your lease into a place where there isn't one. You might have to buy a washer dryer. And can I just say, like, you may be saying, oh, well, I don't have to worry about that because I already have a washer dryer. But I'm telling you, there are little things like I may not fit. It may yeah, not be able to a, go up the stairs uh-huh. or the plug-in may be different. Or it might or, be a top loader where you really need a front loader. And you can't they do have that because the door doesn't yeah. swing that way. And it's always something. And it's it like, always. oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, there's like the moving expenses themselves, which yep. can get very pricey depending on how far you're moving or if you need to transport large items like a car. So when you factor in just the cost of like getting you there, you really have to be very creative and diligent about your budget. And that might limit how far you can go, to be completely honest. Yeah. And I'll also say, you know, and this may go without saying, but you want to ensure that you're factoring all of that into salary negotiations, which can be really difficult because you may be looking at that top line number, but you're not thinking that $10,000 of that number may be eaten up just by you replacing some of the furniture. And it could be that something's too big or too small or both. Like It could be any combination of the two all at once. And that's what makes this entire process really tricky to nail down in terms of specific numbers. So you want to make sure that you are passing on that cost to the prospective employer and making sure that you're not um, eating that cost on yourself because obviously that takes away from the excitement um, and also just from the comfort of building a stronger budget and better savings and investing habits. Um, I'll also offer some not so good news, uh, which is the IRS does not cover these things. And so if you're like me and you were thinking, oh yeah, but aren't those things uh, tax deductible? Well, not anymore. They were. So sorry if you're just as old as I am and you remember the days when you were able to say that and confidently plug that into TurboTax or pass that on to a tax advisor. I believe, and we'll link to that in the show notes, that the IRS is actually phasing out moving costs um, and its deductibility in your federal taxes. So Mm. You absolutely have to factor these things into your conversations. But here are a couple of things that you should know. And we've alluded to this as well, but you should be asking or inquiring about a relocation bonus. As we said before, significantly more jobs are actually remote now than they ever were. And so if a company is asking that you relocate, you absolutely should be asking them if they're not factoring that into uh, your negotiations or your compensation package, you should be inquiring about some type of relocation bonus or I forget there's a term that they call it. But assistance, assistance or something like that. But they they, that is not unusual. And so even if you are, let's say, coming from an industry where that was not the norm 
always, always ask. It doesn't cost you anything to inquire about that. Secondly, there are tons of cost of living calculators, which I found have become increasingly more helpful and sophisticated over the years. One of our favorites are on a website called nerdwallet.com. You can essentially plug in the state that and the city that you live in compared to the state that you're moving to um, with your salary, and it will give you all of the adjustments and tell you how much more or less would be needed for you to have a comparable lifestyle in that new place. Um, if you are a bored millennial, uh, in addition to sort of surfing Zillow, this is probably one of the things that you do just to kind of burn the time. But for those of us who've never done that before, these tools do exist. And so, as we said, we were going to link to that in the show notes. Um, and the last thing is when you are playing around with these cost of living calculators, you want to make sure that you are including things like taxes. Sometimes they include those numbers, sometimes they don't, but you really want to make sure that you're accommodating for states or cities or any other areas that may have different taxes or maybe even no income taxes because all of those things factor into your negotiations and ultimately should influence whether or not this is a good move for you or how lucrative that actual move might be. Um, I'll also say this, even if you're moving to a lower cost of living area, because I think a lot of times people think in general, like, I'm not going to worry about those things or concern my thing concern myself with those details if I'm moving to a place that I know has a known lower cost of living, doesn't matter. You should still be asking or inquiring about a relocation bonus. We are actually living in a unique time where cars are appreciating assets <laughs> and employees actually have a bit more leverage in pushing back to employers. And so take full advantage of that. Always inquire about it. Even if you're moving, I'm just making it up from like New York to Florida. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love that you kind of double clicked on cost of living because cost of living is your basic, you know, price of entry, but there's also cost of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't necessarily need to be done. These calculations don't need to be done before you decide to move, but it's helpful to get a sense of how much your discretionary indulgences, I'm using air quotes, but like your discretionary expenses are going to cost, particularly if they're niche or something that is not you know, mainstream. Yeah. So like for me, I like to get my hair braided a couple of times a year. And my friends who live in New York and Miami are always surprised about how much more affordable that is here in Atlanta than it is where they live. Okay. Why? Because there are plenty of braiders <laughs> in Atlanta and they have to price competitively to get business. In other cities, there may only be one braid shop. So it's presumably more expensive because... There's less supply and higher demand. Yeah. But even beyond beauty, right? Like think about things that you enjoy like yoga studios or butcher shops. Like if you eat halal or kosher, are your options going to be priced the same as they are at home? Or if you're vegan, do you have access to good restaurants and grocery stores for those days you don't feel like cooking? Or will you need to have food shipped in from online vendors? These are all little things that add up, especially in a time of inflation where the price is going up for goods like like the ones that we're describing. Yeah. So it's always important to consider like there's the living costs and then there's like the lifestyle costs and how those change from city to city. Yeah. When I hear the word lifestyle in this context, I think immediately about the little things. And, and for men, you know, for all the guys that are listening out there, you, you know that if you're moving, we're not looking for a hair braider, but we are thinking like, hey, <laughs> well, maybe might. you are, maybe you've got locks and, you know, yeah. you're, you're in the, you're in mid, you know, you're going through the Iversons. little, yeah, you got, 
maybe you're going through that phase and it's really important. <laughs> you don't want to undo all of the hard work that got you to this to that point. But like you are going to think about little things like a barber. Like, are yeah. you able to get a barber that can cut your type of hair wherever it is that you're going? It's like, that's great because you can save a lot of money. But if you're going to be walking around looking crazy for the next <laughs> couple of years, that might have an impact on your self-esteem. <laughs> And any other Well you just need to factor in flying, you know, to get your haircut. Like yeah. women do. No, I don't I've know any guys that are willing to, to get do my that. haircut. Yeah, I've never heard of a guy say, Yeah, I'm flying out to Miami <laughs> to get a haircut. To get this good fade. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that that's a reality. I think most men just try to learn how to do it themselves or they rock like the baldy. Yeah, and it shows. Okay. <laughs> but on ching. Sorry, fellas. So um, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the little things. Um, and one of the things that I think a lot of people actually don't really factor in is how changing time zones may actually impact their lifestyle. So, for example, I am a, I would say, moderate basketball fan. I pretty much get more into it during the playoffs. Uh, but one of the things that I always notice and it always like irks me is when I am not willing to like stay up to watch a lot of the West Coast games because they start later for Eastern Standard Time. Right. And so wherever it is that you're moving, like, you may not even be able to keep up with like your favorite team or your favorite players or something like that. Not and without risking, you know, sleep, it, sacrificing correct. sleep. <laughs> correct. And I know people who've done that. It was like, oh, yeah. it's a tough night. I had to watch the game. Yeah. Or, didn't you know, start till it didn't start until 9. And that's why I'm always groggy, you know, every time I, I come to work the next day. And it has a, you know, lingering effect. And again, it might seem minor to you, but there are a lot of people where that's a really important part of who they are. That's how they meet people. That's how they build community. Um, but the second thing that I will say uh, is really important and probably has a much more direct impact on budgeting. And this is something that we spoke about in Money on the Table season two, episode one, is the cost of vacationing. So our friend Ronnie was with us during that meal and conversation. And she shared with us that she recently moved from Chicago to Atlanta. And we're obviously happy to have her and her family here. But she mentioned how much cheaper it was to vacation coming from Atlanta. Obviously, Atlanta has one of the biggest and most widely used airports in the world. And I got curious, I actually looked it up to see, well, how much might it cost to go to Jamaica? And I'm familiar with this, and we obviously have been to Jamaica a couple of times, but I randomly looked it up. And to go from Atlanta to the Caribbean right now, at the time of recording, was around $300. On that same day, from Chicago and any one of their airports, it was like four to six hundred dollars just to go to Jamaica, right? Obviously, it's a little longer distance, but there are a number of other reasons that could be factoring into that. And so that's something that I think a lot of people should be uh, thinking about as well. Yeah, especially if you have multiple people that you need to buy a plane to. Absolutely. It certainly stacks up. Yeah, I agree that cost of lifestyle is just an interesting me metric. And it actually makes me think of all of the ways that cities and even countries are getting really creative to try to recruit people to come live there, particularly Americans right now. Yeah. So domestically, we've seen places like Tulsa offer hard cash money, cold cash, $10,000 through their Tulsa remote program. And Puerto Rico just made the news because it's becoming a tax haven for crypto millionaires because of their capital gains tax policy. Yep. But even outside of the U.S., we're seeing places like Aruba offer programs that allow you to come work there for 90 days without a visa. And Portugal, which is quickly becoming a U.S. favorite for expats because yep. of their tax, law tax laws. And recently, Portugal just came out with some new work from home policies that makes it illegal for your company to contact your staff outside of working hours 
and they have to help employees pay utilities. So Portugal is like gunning for, you know, this popularity yeah, yeah. in terms of expat, expat heaven. Yes, expat heaven. And so, you know, the tendency is for people to bias the economic reasons for relocating above everything else. Mm-hmm. And they're usually aware that they're going to have to make some emotional and lifestyle trade-offs. But if the number is big enough, they'll quickly dismiss them. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to ask you if you have any words of wisdom for someone who might be mulling over a relocation decision that has a really high financial upside, like our friends that you mentioned at the top of the show, but would be incredibly disruptive in other areas of life. What would you say to people who are balancing those two trade-offs? Um, that, that's tough. Cause you know, like personal issues or, you know, disrupting other areas of your life, like everyone's like, they're not weighted equally. And so it's really difficult to say, but I will say this. I think one of the things that I've noticed having had this conversation with a lot of people uh, in the past is that the people who make the adjustment better or faster are people who have done the math prior to the opportunity coming knocking. Right. Right. So if you think about, you know, if somebody came knocking on your door to say, hey, I want to buy your house tomorrow, like you would, and even if they threw a ridiculous amount of money at you, like you're not frantic. You're thinking, all right, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money. What am I going to do if I sell? Where are we going to live? But you're really intrigued by this big amount of money. You should start thinking about that, right, before the opportunity comes knocking when it yeah. comes to jobs, right? So you should have in mind, it's like, all right, if I were to relocate, these are some of the areas where I would be interested in going, Um and this is how much you would have to pay me for to me leave. to even yeah. consider, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to, hey, you know, even entertaining the thought when those things come. So that way, like, you can, you know, sort of sift through whether or not something is an opportunity or a distraction. So that's been my experience. I've not had that opportunity. Um, obviously, in speaking with other people, I've been very frank with them. Like, well, for me, like, I wouldn't move unless I knew that I would get this much or have this much coming to me down the line. But everyone's different. But I think it helps to have a baseline prior to an opportunity presenting itself. Yeah, and, and it's almost like reverse Zillow shopping or reverse Zillow sh- surfing because even if there isn't a company that is asking you to relocate, you can really try to replicate your lifestyle in your high cost of living city somewhere else, all virtually, to figure out like what is the upside if you were to move your family on its own. And then you don't have to, to your point, like, make it this very rushed decision yeah. and just start to think through what it's like yep. in advance. All right. So let's talk about housing because this is definitely something that people should think about before relocating. Okay. And again, the tendency is for people to want to replicate what they have in their current city. So if they live in an apartment now, then they want to live in an apartment in the new city. If they're homeowners in their old city, they want to jump right into homeownership in the new city. Mm-hmm. And I get that urge. Trust me. I'm someone who loves security and being like fully planted where I'm living, but I'm actually going to recommend not jumping into something permanent unless you already have some level of familiarity with the city that you're going to. There are so many options for temporary housing now, more so than ever before. And people are usually turned off from these options because they tend to be more expensive than traditional housing options. So something like, you know, Corporate housing or even an Airbnb might be more expensive than a mortgage. But going back to budgeting, if this is something that you can plan for, what it does is lower the stakes on your overall bigger decision about where you're ultimately going to live. 
So options like furnished rentals, which again, you can do through platforms like Airbnb, or you can go through a traditional corporate housing company. Options like furnished rentals, apartments, subletting, those are all great options that allow you to test the water of your new city before you plant roots. Mm-hmm. It's not the easiest option, especially for those of us who have little ones, but it can be worth it for the short-term trade-offs. Yeah, and again, I'm thinking immediately, I feel like we should create like an affiliate program with the city of Atlanta <laughs> because we have actually helped several young professional no. families make the transition. <laughs> and I have not received a single commission from the city or any of the Got counties. bottles of wine from Bottles friends, of wine. Grateful friends. Which is not very helpful because... <laughs> from our realtor. <laughs> right. <laughs> he actually owes me like several <laughs> bottles of wine, come to think of it. I need to follow up with him. Um, but I think you're spot on in terms of, um, you said something to the effect of watering, what did you say about planting plant, roots? Planting roots, something to that yeah, effect. Yeah, I think I gave a mixed metaphor. Yeah, I don't that's know what okay. You're talking about. Okay, but <laughs> the idea is, you know, I'm a foodie, so it's like, you know, get a little sampler. Yeah, a little <laughs> Before Costco. you jump into entrees, get a little sampler. And, and I'll be honest, this might sound a little crazy, but like, I would go so far as to say, and we typically do this when it comes to like vacation planning, or we used to do this when we were, were travelers and just wandering the world aimlessly. Um, but I will say like, Tools like Google Earth or Google Maps where you can literally act as if you're walking down streets to get a feel for the neighborhood that you are walking to like is really, really key. If you are a geek like me and you have an Oculus Quest, there is an app. I think they're called apps, but there's a program called Wander that makes that even more sort of real for you so that you can feel like you are in a place or um, one of the characters in a Google Maps sort of street view. Um, but you can also go so far as to searching out good old-fashioned YouTube. There are tons of niches and videos where people just anchor a camera onto their phone and they drive through neighborhoods so that you can get a feel for what it's like to actually be in some of those places. So all of that to say, I think it's important to get a feel before you just jump into buying or even just moving. I know these offers may sound lucrative once in a lifetime, especially if it's more money than you've ever thought was possible, but you don't want to get there and then get disappointed or to assume that something is like for like, and then you get there and you're just like, wait a second, you know, your downtown is very different from my downtown. This is your restaurant row. It's nothing like it's my restaurant row. pretty small compared you, to the one I'm used to. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I'll also say this. You know, this is another example. We recently uh, got a note from an LGBTQ couple uh, based out of, I think they were in New Jersey. And they saw that same episode that we were talking about. And we had a really long exchange back and forth because they were thinking about moving to Atlanta, but they were concerned about whether or not it was inclusive. They had a very strong, though flawed perspective of what it was like living in the South. They didn't know if it was safe for them, not just because they were black, but because they were also, you know, a queer couple and they had children. and, And, you know, I actually she helped them. It was like, dude, you'll be okay. Let me point you. I don't know if you connected them to some friends, but I certainly did. And we connected them to a number of other people who are much more connected to that community. So all of that to say, like, don't be afraid. To, I'm not going to say send us a note because I don't want to get flooded with notes. But if you know someone or if you're listening to someone else's podcast, don't be afraid just to send someone a note and see hey what they think because you'll be surprised by how helpful or what some of those little local tidbits they may be able to offer you that you're not going to find or hear, you know, just watching a video. Yeah, I agree. And I think the last thing that I'll say about housing is that 
Another benefit of there being so many short-term options now is that you can actually try out a new city before you move the family there, right? right? So again, this is harder to do with school-age children, but with some planning and coordination, it's not impossible. Yep. What remote work allows us to do is live from anywhere at any time. So you could presumably take the family to Tulsa, get an Airbnb and live, quote unquote, there for a month. And I'm using air quotes because it's not an apples to apples comparison. You're obviously not going to enroll your kid in school and like maybe join a church home while you're there. But it will give you an idea of what it could be like. And it works in reverse, too. If you do decide to leave, you can always come back and live, quote unquote, in your current city for a couple of months. So let's say you live in Chicago now, but you hate every single month there except for June, July and August when the weather is perfect and it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, you could sell your house, move to Tampa and use all the equity to visit Chicago three times a year. It's going to be there. Yeah. And for the record, I'm not suggesting that you just do this on a whim, but I am saying that for several decades, so many of us have chosen our cities based on job markets and opportunity. And this shift towards remote work should prompt all of us to ask why do I live here? Yeah. (laughs) We should ask that more often than not. And if you like your reasons, then stay. But if you're not really sure, it's the kind of decision that can literally save you hundreds of thousands of dollars over a lifetime and shave years off your retirement plan. Yeah. And and I think if that sounds like an oversimplification of like how to achieve financial freedom or get out of debt quickly, it's because it is. Like it's it's actually one of the most, it's why we dedicated the entire episode to it, right? I think that little shift and it's a bit, I shouldn't say little shift. It's that single shift. It's a big one, but like just divorcing yourself from that sense of identity. Like I'm in New York the New Yorkers out specifically. And I was like, dude, if you just moved, like your life would be <laughs> yeah. so much easier. You know, and especially for people, I'm gonna rant for a second, especially people who say that they're there because of the, you know, their family is there, but they never see their family. Right. Like, come on. Honestly, like be listen, you wanna go back in time and think about the history of our people. Of all people, like, you know, we're constantly migrating from one place to another place. And so it's your job at some point to sort of step up, be that leader and um, do what's best for you in order to move your family or your community forward. Um, We're going to take a little break and we will be right back. All right. Welcome back. So I want to stick to the family theme for a second because okay. I want to talk about communication and relationships. Okay. Particularly. We, do we need to talk? <laughs> Sounds like a setup. We need to talk. We need to talk. <laughs> no, but particularly if you're in a relationship and one person is sort of spearheading the move and the other person isn't against it, but isn't necessarily leading it per se. They're not the person who is like the cheerleader. Okay. And so my advice for relationships and partnerships where either that is the dynamic or even if it isn't, my advice is the same. And that's everybody needs a project. So if you're the person who's taken the lead, figure out a way to get the other person involved. Find something that they can get excited about or some aspect of the research so you both have something to contribute And if you're the person who's been falling back because maybe it's not your job that triggered the move or because you and your partner just generally divide and conquer these types of things, you need to find a spark. This is not something that you want to just watch from the sidelines. This is your life and your quality of life is 
drastically impacted by your environment. So you absolutely want to weigh in on the decisions that are being made. Yeah, that's uh, that's a tricky one. But I think it also can come across as a bit cliche, but is very true. Like you're not going to read a book about relationships that does not say how important communication is. Right. It also makes me think about uh, our own experience when we moved from our last home into the home that we're in now. And I think it was shortly after I'd walked away from our uh, from my corporate job, mm-hmm. which was a huge shift for us. Um, we were still trying to figure out what that was going to look like. And I remember feeling like actually one of the best things that I could do um, in between, like trying to grow our business, um, was to just help us get settled. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to spend the next couple of months like doing things I've never done before. And it was actually one of the most fulfilling periods of my life. Like I was Mr. Fix It. Like I've yeah. never been. You're hanging blind. I was hanging blind. Working from cold. Oh my foods. gosh. I was <laughs> loving it. It was like a really, really cool experience. Your best I could, hipster life. Yeah. And I could see and feel um if, if it was the closest thing to like building a home that I had ever experienced, right? And so I was, you know, for lack of a better word, the active parent or the primary parent during that period because I was closer and I was doing all the dad things and taking bow on walks and Mr. Fix-It. One minute I'm in Whole Foods, the next minute I'm in Home Depot. Like, it was great. Um, so if you're that partner, like, I'm not going to say that there's shame in that, but like, there's a lot of value in creating the systems and the structure that helps to keep the family alive. I did it. I was Mr. Dad, I believe is the term for a while. You could be Mr. Mom, whatever it is, but there's a lot of value, I think, in doing that stuff. Yeah. So when I was researching this dynamic, I actually came across an article from the Harvard Business Review called The Expat Dilemma. Okay. And it was about this Brazilian couple who had moved to Brussels for a job opportunity. And the wife was thriving. It was her job that relocated them. But the husband was um, unhappy. And quite honestly, he was pissed because he had a medical degree from Brazil, but it Mm. didn't allow him to practice and see patients in Europe. So his options were either to go back to medical school and her company would help pay for it or to figure something else out. Yeah. But the article was really interesting because it had this third character in it, which was the HR relocation specialist from the wife's job. So you got to see all sides of this issue. And I'll link to it in the show notes if anybody's interested. But you got to see all sides of the issue, the thriving wife, the struggling husband and the corporate relocation specialist who was constantly asking his bosses for exceptions to accommodate the spouses of the people that he's asked to move for these assignments. And he's getting all this pushback because the company just doesn't understand the ROI of like taking care of the spouse. Yeah. Anyway, it led to my discovery of this new term called trailing spouse syndrome. (laughs) Have you ever heard of that? (laughs) TSS. TSS. Trailing spouse syndrome. Trailing. The name is a bit of spoiler, but like any guesses on what it could mean? Yeah, and, and actually, it's as as odd and funny as that sounds. It's it's actually hits quite close to home because one of my best friends experienced this, um, and they moved to Europe. They were both highly educated and high powered couple, but when they moved, like the wife was not able to sort of roll into her career, and mm-hmm. she became the trailing spouse and this actually I think contributed to their relationship dissolving. They're in a good place separately right now. Um but I think this is a very real thing. I did not know there was a term for it. Yeah. Trailing spouse syndrome. Yes. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It's not a clinical term 
or diagnosis. So there's not a cure per se, but it is meant to label the bundle of feelings that come up when you're following someone else. Yeah. Somewhere this explains else. a lot. Yeah. So in my experience, I found that naming what you're feeling is half the battle. After that, you can use the power of technology <laughs> to find community. So for anyone who's feeling this way, I want you to know that there's a name for it. It's oh, called man. trailing spouse this is syndrome. Be bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get, don't tag, do not. Normally I would ask our listeners to tag us and do not tag me in anything trailing spouse syndrome related. Uh, you know, keep your, your battles in well, the good, private. I was going to say don't the good me. news for any trailing spouses is that even if you feel this way currently, you are not alone. So I found a survey. It was done in 2015 by Internations. And 60% of trailing spouses found that giving up their previous career was difficult. So in this case, they were surveying expats who moved because of one person's career, which is different than both of you moving to work remote. But 60% of trailing spouses found giving up their previous career was difficult. 65% of spouses disliked being financially dependent on their partner. And 50% of them didn't speak the local language at all or just spoken a little bit. Yeah. So I mentioned those stats for two reasons because they're a little depressing, but there's two reasons why I bring them up. The first is that you don't need to be ashamed of feeling the way that you do. If you are not happy in your new place or you find another expat or someone else who's new to the area, there's a good chance that they either feel the same way that you do or that their spouse does based on those 65, 60% stats that I just listed. So there's a connection point. And then two, if you're not the trailing spouse, let's say it's your job or your idea or your family that led y'all to this new place, then you should hear these stats and try not to fall into the trap of thinking that you're the exception, right? Assume the worst case scenario and try to be proactive about getting your family integrated. Assume that your spouse or your partner, even your children, hell, maybe even your pets are going through a bit of a, you know, like a adjustment period yeah. and and expect that. Be proactive about it. Yeah, you know, I'm normally the, uh, like, I'm normally comfortable being pessimistic. I don't know why this one is hitting really close to home for me. Um, You know what? It's because I literally know a couple yeah. that, that went through this. I think that's why. Yeah. Um, like I'm, I think in, I'm envisioning them because, again, you go into these situations with the highest and best of expectations, right? Like, it, it, which just makes sense. That's the only rational reason why you'd be willing to uproot your family to go somewhere is because you expect it to be absolutely amazing when it's all said and done. Um, and what this is suggesting is that there's a tendency for this to not work out, which isn't necessarily surprising, but it, it's 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 kind of hitting close to home for me. But I will sort of, let me ch- dig deep here. I think what I would like to focus on with respect to TSS is that is is the opportunity there, right? Yes. And, and so if I'm talking to the, gosh, it sounds like a like a sad puppy. But <laughs> to, the I, to the trailer. To the trailer. If I'm talking to the person. To the caboose. To the caboose, right? There's value in being um, who you are. Like you are able, I almost look at you as like the navigator oh, in, in the car, right? You're the person who can see the thing that the other person can't see. You actually have a bit of a responsibility and an ability to build a community and a network that is just as important as the one that the person who uh, is working or 
God, I'm just going to call them the dragger at this point, um, <laughs> is, is doing. Um, but like, you know, there's like no shame in like focusing or, you know, caring for children or food preparation or home maintenance. Like this, it's a lot. It, it is. is a lot of responsibility uh, to keep a, and to create a home and to, you're like a chief operating officer. Absolutely. So there's a lot of value in that. I think I think I need a new label. So yeah. I'm fine with the whole thing being called trailing spouse syndrome, but I need like the spouse to need, I need them like a new label. Yeah. <laughs> I need a more empowering label. Yeah, I, I completely agree. The trailing is only in reference to one aspect of the relationship and that's whose job or idea it was to leave. Yeah. But there are a lot of other ways to take the lead and become a trailblazer in other areas, like you just mentioned. So you can go from trailing spouse syndrome to trailblazer spouse syndrome from trailing to trailblazer a trailblazer a memoir of <laughs> chardonnay sippers <laughs> from trailing to trailblazer should be on my tombstone that sounds like a bad lifetime movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> i will say this one last quick thought on uh relationships um and and you know obviously I think a lot of people you know, and I'm thinking back to the person who sent us the note and was asking us what we thought but they were primarily obsessing about the numbers to kind of wrap up this entire part of the conversation like this is not a math problem or exclusively right. a math problem there's obviously some impact to relationships not just your personal relationships but I'll also say your business relationships one of the things that I conveyed to him when he reached out and asked what I thought about this was that he didn't have nearly as much visibility in these new opportunities as he does today and so mm-hmm. if you've been working somewhere you're in the same industry you've got a really good feel for what the pace of progress or promotion looks like. You can probably listen to your boss, your manager, or your leader and synthesize what they're saying and say, all right, they said this, but they really meant that. And so when you're looking at these quote-unquote opportunities to relocate and someone throws these really impressive numbers at you, you actually don't have the ability to synthesize that. You have to look at it and take it at face value, which is super risky because you don't know if that person could be BSing you. You don't know if that person is actually really just trying to get you in so that they can check the box and leave. Meanwhile, you've uprooted your family. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make sure that you're factoring all of those things into the situation. And again, tactically, this boils down to things like um, getting things in writing, negotiating uh, a higher base salary. Um, if someone says, I see you in this role, great. I would like you to put that in writing. Yeah. What is the timeline for that? If I get to that role, what would the likely salary range be? What does the trajectory look like? All of those things, because without that, you really sort of like lose a lot of the leverage that you typically have when you have more visibility into the players, the industry, the company, et cetera. Yep. Totally agree. All right. All right. Let's final jump into thoughts. some final thoughts. What you got? So my final thought, we've thrown a lot at you guys today, but my final thought is really that there is no such thing as a perfect place, right? We know people who have relocated and have thrived. They've lived in countries like Singapore and had incredible qualities of life. And we've known couples who have done the same thing and it was a little rockier of a road. Yeah. Anywhere you live is going to require trade-offs and some level of effort in order for you to make it a home. Even if something sounds amazing on paper, 
you have to look beyond the surface and make sure that you're still holding space for the adjustment periods for everybody involved and not just focusing on the money or one particular part. Yeah, I, I think my final thought is very similar. It's that money is important, but it is not everything. Like relocation may sound fun and exciting, but like it can actually lead to some very serious relationship and psychological issues. I, I did some research, but I didn't refer to it um, on this particular topic. But like there is data and studies to suggest that like relocation and constant relocation does have, or studies have shown that it does have negative psychological impacts. It, there's a tendency for people who do that to view their relationships very much as disposable, mm. right? And so you really want to make sure that you're not just factoring in the math, as we've said several times, but also looking at some of the psychological, the interpersonal, uh, and some of the deeper emotional issues that are likely tied to uh, relocation. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success. If you like what you heard, go ahead and relocate your thumb to the ratings and reviews page and scroll on down and leave us a five-star rating and review. You don't deserve a five-star rating. (laughs) We will see y'all next week.